Welcome to Kansas City Confidential, a podcast where we hear from the people behind Kansas City's local restaurants, businesses, and personalities. I'm your host, Sari, and this week I'm joined by Jay Sanders from Drastic Measures. This bar locate in Shawnee is a James Beard finalist for Most Outstanding Bar. Here is Jay to discuss the success they've had in the few short years they've been open. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. I want to first congratulate you and your team for being a James Beard Award finalist for Most Outstanding Bar in 2023. It's a huge accomplishment and it's been great to see the support over social media for everyone who has been reposting everything that you and Jurassic Measures has been posting about that. So I just want to congratulate you and your team for such high praise. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I like to say that this point in, in the game that the train's already moving, but I'm just on top ringing the bell and the team's the one that's keeping the train going. So all the props to them. Like, obviously our business is nothing without our staff. And I I hope that they're feeling the recognition from this that they deserve, especially so early into their their careers, because a lot of them are, you know, 10 years younger than me. And are this is, might be some of their first or second uh, bar jobs. And to get this recognition, they can trade on that for the rest of their careers as they should because they earned it. And so I'm just excited to see, you know, what uh, new potential this opens for for my crew and their careers, because I, you know, I'm living my dream right now. So I'm just happy to see, like, I don't know, maybe this would be a, a really good jumping point for them to to leverage into something down the road for them. So, uh, yeah, they're like, I'm at, like, look at it right now. I'm doing a podcast with you and they're working their butts off at the bar right now. doesn't seem quite fair, uh, but I'm going to I'm going to take some time to enjoy this. Enjoy this period as well, though. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the kind yeah. words. The community is very supportive of us. Um, we're not entirely sure how we got you know nominated or how the process works. So. Uh, whoever out there is, you know, is rooting for us. We, we really appreciate that. What did that feel like when you found out that you were nominated for a James Beard award? Oh, it was um, uh, just personally for me, I felt just such pride in what we do. And I've said it before, like, it's kind of a joke that we don't do it for awards, but you know, we like to be recognized for how hard we work. Uh, and for what we put into it. So like when I found out it was in the morning, I didn't know that the James Beard Awards or nominations for the semifinalists was coming out. I was in the restroom and I got a message from an old friend. She said, hey, congrats on the James Beard nomination. I'm like, what are you talking about? So then she linked me to it and I was like having a panic attack, like scrolling through the list because I didn't see like the name drastic measures on the list because I was reading it so fast and the panic and I'm like no surely it can't be real uh and then it was and I was excited I, I talked to my girlfriend about it because you know this has been a, a dream of mine for a long time and we didn't really get to share a moment because I was just wearing boxers and like I had to get you know I had to get ready for the day and then we, we messaged the staff to let them know and they were all super excited and everybody was walking on clouds for for a few weeks there and then when the finalists came out it was a little it was a little different because we all knew that when the finalists were going to be announced, it was like on an Instagram story that James Beard was posting, the foundation was posting, and we uh, we were all refreshing our phones and our feeds all morning. Like, we couldn't sleep. I had most horrible nightmares thinking about it. Like, I kept, every time I closed my eyes, it'd be like, it was so real that 
I'd open my phone and be like, oh, you, you're not a finalist. But none of us were expecting to be a finalist, but the fact that we had a shot at it, you know, we got really invested in that. And just to be nominated is, is such, such an honor, but to be narrow, like to be mentioned in the top 20, but to be mentioned in the top five after that is just, we are, everything after this is icing on the cake for us. Everybody, everybody is uh, in a good place mentally. Nobody's really strutting around and there's not really a place for, you know, arrogance in our bar because it's, the show's not about us. It's about the people that come into our bar. And that's one of the first things that we talk about when you come and join our team. We don't have star tenders, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, like we're super thrilled. Like it was an incredible experience and we're still on the ride. Like we just booked everybody's tickets to the, the ceremony in Chicago. We're taking the whole staff, we're closing the bar to go up there. And we were about to, we were going to open our other bar right around that time. So we pushed that just so we could go enjoy it. We're going to treat it like a staff break. We're all going to go have some good meals and drinks in Chicago, go to the ceremony, get our, our, our tuxes and our, our, our formal dresses or whatever anyone is wearing on and we're gonna we're gonna do it up and enjoy ourselves no matter what happens after that as someone who has been to your bar the drinks are absolutely phenomenal i always recommend your bar to people whether they have or haven't been just because the drinks are so unique i love following along on instagram seeing the new cocktails that you and your team are coming up with so Earlier, you mentioned that, you know, this has been a dream, a dream come true for you. So has owning a business always been a dream of yours? I don't think owning a business has always, you know, been a dream of mine. I knew very early on that I wanted to own a bar, not just because I wanted to own a business, because I wanted to, I wanted to do things my way and not have anybody tell me that I couldn't do it or that I didn't want to be beholden to anybody. I wanted to be able to like give a voice to something that I am doing and not have to apologize for that voice. And mostly I just wanted to, like, it started for me when I was pretty early on. I was, I was, I worked at a a local restaurant called Room 39 for nine years. You know, it was such a great experience and so many people helped me out, but I knew early on that like what the real part of hospitality that I enjoyed was, wasn't like the making of the drinks or the serving of the really good food or opening really nice bottles of wine. But it was for um, throwing parties for people, like even if it's a little party or a little celebration. Uh, I always equate it to like uh, if you have people in your home, you're going to uh, turn the lights down and you're going to cook some food and you're going to clean your bathrooms and this and that. And then when the, everyone gets there, you're going to work the room and you're going to connect friends that don't know each other that you know will enjoy each other. And you're going to steer your conversations and provide games and drink and this and that. And that's my favorite part. So I was working at room 39 and I was like, gosh, I I could do this, but I don't really want to do fine dining like they were doing. I don't ever want to work brunch again. So like, how do I, how do I get into a position where I can decide when I work and and how I want to do it? And it was, uh, it was to own my own business. And it became pretty clear that I, I got super interested in doing like craft cocktails when I was like 21. Uh, because somebody made me a really, really good, it's not even a craft cocktail, it's just a normal cocktail, just a gin gimlet, three ingredients, gin, lime, and sugar. And it was just well done. It was like fresh lime juice. And But the person making it, his name is Jared, still is Jared, he's still alive. He's actually still bartending in the city. Made it with care and made me feel really good. And I was like, damn, like I could make other people feel really good like this. And then I went into Manifesto and I'm like, oh, 
Coast people are just absolutely killing it. Like, this is so cool. It made me feel cool to be there. And yeah, so Room 39, a lot of people um, helped me to uh, let me use a lot of their inventory and screw up and learn how to make cocktails and do do fun things. And it was just a really, really good environment. Like all those people that I worked with, I've still talked to a lot of them. Most of them still work in the industry, in the city. Um, some of them have been in the bar and given us their congrats. And it's just, it's a good feeling. Because I was, when I, I started there when I was 19, and I'll be 36 soon. So just, you know, still having those ties is pretty awesome. And, you know, I'm born and raised in Kansas City and the scene is pretty small. So if you're in it for at least a year, you'll probably know a lot of people. If you're in it for 10 years, then then hopefully you've climbed the ranks a little bit, you know, a few more people. I know from my experience being at Dress Measures when Dan and I came for the Hanukkah pop-up bar. Drastic Menches, yeah. Drastic Menches was such an amazing experience, not only because obviously the drinks were were incredible, but it's so rare to see a Hanukkah pop-up bar. And so that in itself being unique, but I think we were the second bar in the country to do it. We were I, my partner and I traveled to Boston, not frequently, but more than any other city to go enjoy food and drink there just because I love it. And there was a bar there called the Maccabee Bar. And we were there in uh, December a few years ago. And they were doing a little Hanukkah pop-up. And I was just like, why is nobody at, like, why are all these Christmas bars allowed to vomit all over us every year? There are 10 of them in Kansas City. And this isn't a huge market. Um, but it was kind of low, low-hanging fruit for Christmas bars. And I was like, that was the same, uh, that was the same few weeks that, that we were getting that idea that like the whole Kanye thing was happening and the Kyrie Irving thing was happening. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm always like, like, how do we let people know how we feel about this, but do it in a positive way? Like, cause everything was getting so anti-Semitic just for a few weeks there, or it was, I mean, maybe it's always been there, but it was just dominating headlines for such a bit that I was like, what if we did an event, but we gave back and supported uh, causes that are combating anti-Semitism. Uh, so like, yeah, we had a good time. Like we, we had to educate ourselves a little bit because I'm not Jewish. The, the closest person we have is like one of our staff members, uh, her partner is Jewish. And so he gave us some good advice. The guy that uh, my real boss is my bookkeeper. He, he's Jewish and they gave us advice. And so we went, we, we talked to, to Rabbi Glickman and we went to Jewish family services and, you know, we just did a lot of independent research to try and like make drinks our way, but to include those flavors and those recipes. So there was a lot, especially one of the nights that everything was kosher. That was tough. That was real tough because the rabbi gave us a big long list of uh, rules we had to follow. And I'd send, I'd send uh, Rabbi Glickman drafts of the menu and be like, well, you can't do that because you can't heat with an open flame during Hanukkah to, to keep with really being, I was like, oh my gosh, these kosher these kosher rules are tough, but like, it's what, what a fun challenge, but like we had an opportunity to do that. We did it for two weeks. We had, uh, I think it was eight drinks for it. Like it was really hard. It was hard to keep up. That was the busiest that we've ever been. I don't think that we're going to do it again next year, just because I hope there's some like really good bars that are owned by Jewish people in the city. And I hope that maybe they're inspired to do that instead of a Christmas thing. And like, we'll see what they do, but I'm not here to appropriate anyone's holiday. Uh, maybe there'll be a, a different cause uh, around the holidays that we can do a pop-up and, and celebration of. 
but yeah, I'm glad you like the drinks. Like some of those were real tough to get out. Like the Sufganya cocktail. I was going to say the Sufganyo, which for oh, yeah. any listener of the podcast doesn't know what it is. It is a jelly filled donut with powdered sugar on top. And I'm sure Rabbi Gluckman gave you the sort of backstory of during Hanukkah's traditional to eat fried food to commemorate the oil lasting eight days, which is why you eat latkes, as many mm-hmm. people know, potato pancakes. And that Sufganyo cocktail, I am not kidding when I tell you, I still talk about it. Okay, and thank you. Yeah. Your point of how busy Drastic Measures was during those two weeks you did the Hanukkah pop-up bar, I think shows that Kansas City can support oh, a yeah. non-Christmas pop-up bar during the holidays. Absolutely. And I know that through my Instagram and a lot of people I've connected with through social media and just my mm-hmm. in real life friends, everyone for days was sending me Instagram posts about prior to Jurassic mm-hmm. Mensch's opening of like, oh my gosh, are you, are you seeing this? And I can't believe this is really happening. I've been waiting for this for so long. And it really does shock me to know in Kansas city that this hadn't, hadn't happened before. All right. And, and with such a, with such a, like a strong population of Jewish people, like a good community here. I was like, this was such a layup. I don't know why anyone else didn't see it and do that. Like, especially to raise money for JFS. Like they absolutely crush it. We took the whole staff there to tour it and they just blew us away. So we're like, okay, okay, let's, how can we, how can we do more? But like, to your point, like everyone was out there celebrating that, but I think that speaks to not just, you know, celebrating, you know, we were celebrating Hanukkah with, we weren't practicing the Jewish religion, but we were celebrating Hanukkah and we're celebrating our Jewish friends and their holiday that doesn't get, you know, is not nearly as commercialized as, as, you know, um, Christian holidays. But uh, I think that spoke to how busy we were that like, we weren't just busy for that, but when we were registering people to vote for the Roe v. Wade, or for like when that came out over the summer and we were trying to, you know, they were trying to make abortion illegal in Kansas. And it was very, you know, very famously like the state spoke back and said like, keep your fucking hands off of our reproductive rights. And uh, like, but we did that. We we did a night where we raised money for uh, a young woman who was uh, went through the incarceral system and was, you know, for a reproductive crime. And I started to realize that we have a lot of power, like in, you know, using our space and our beliefs in a public way to generate money, um, not just for us, but like for good causes. Like, yes, both things can be true. We can raise money for for good causes and we can also still make money for ourselves because at the end of the day we have a lot of bills that we have to pay uh to, to fund that and we pay our staff livable wages and we we profit share so but like the lines out the door happened when we were like we're we're saying something there's a lot of businesses that can't say something because they've got partners they're beholden to and this and that and they're owned by a lot of people and some of them may have different you know points of view or they don't want to offend anybody and potentially lose money from someone that disagrees with them but we're in a you know we're in a very privileged position that i i can say no to money i can <laughs> i can tell i can tell people that don't believe what i believe that if you know they can fuck off cuz a lot of things that i believe aren't they aren't opinions they're about basic human rights so um you know i don't want I don't want people that don't align with my views and my, my space anyways, because I'm not throwing a party for them. 
I'm throwing a party for people that care about other people. Like I want those people in. We opened in June of 2020 and uh, our first year was really slow. Obviously there's a pandemic. We could only seat half of the bar. Uh, we ha- we required masks for entry and you had to wear a mask unless you were in your space that was six feet distance from other groups and we were doing contact tracing and there was a lot of pushback because they're like look at this fucking upstart little bar and and shawnee that's telling us we can't come in if we can't wear a mask well we you know we a lot of people that don't agree with our social and political stances got weeded out during the pandemic from just being asked to wear masks it's crazy how much you know that it aligns like that we, we got real lucky. So now I feel like all the people that hear about us and know about us, like come, you know, come from a similar background of, you know, what they believe in. And it's awesome. And it, it showed during the Hanukkah pop-up, which was a lot of fun. It showed when we were registering voters and we had like fetch from the West bottoms out selling merch to raise money for reproductive rights. And like I asked for donations for uh, when Roe v. Wade leaked before it actually got reversed. And we, and I was like, I'll match any donations. And I was just like, oh, this isn't going to be a lot. And it ended up being $12,000 that we we matched that day. So we raised $25,000, like half from us and half from our followers. But that was when it, like we really started to realize that we're like, oh, my gosh, like people are listening. And they they like it when you talk about this stuff. They like it when you know they have their back. When people like come into your space and enjoy your drink the, the relationship shouldn't end when they tab out and leave and it shouldn't begin right when they, they they get there before they order it should be a you know it's a community thing we need those people to come in i care about them when they're my space and it's not like as soon as they leave i stop giving a shit because um, 70 percent of our business comes from females how are we not supposed to talk about reproductive rights like half my parents are female how am i supposed to you know not not look at like look after them if i have a little bit of power and a little bit of a platform it's my responsibility to use it and also like i'm i'm a white guy like i've i'm a cis i'm a cis white guy i have so much i have so many obligations to to be equitable like and to uh to recognize my privilege and to to use it to the best of my ability i feel like a real fuckhead if i didn't yeah, I think we're all still tired from drastic benches. It was so busy. Like, we're a neighborhood bar. We we only ever thought that we would do max at drastic measures, $8,000 a week. And we thought we'd do that doing, you know, $5,000 on the weekends. And now we're doing like $5,000 each night. And we're like, oh my gosh. And now our friends can't get in, which kind of sucks. Because uh, our first two years, the way I'm looking at it now is like the people that came in for our first two years are the ones that we see that keep us going throughout the week. And it's all new people on the weekends at this point. It's people that have never been. And I'm excited to have those people, but I really miss those, you know, those conversations because we have people that, you know, brought their newborn baby in the first two days that we were open. And now that kid is three and they're having another baby. And I want to talk to them about it, but now we're so busy. Um, but it's been good. So uh, did you, you and I meet because of Jurassic Menches? Yeah, we were, that is when Dan and I went one night and speaking of the line, I know we had driven by, I think several times and I had been messaging you on Instagram too of Mm -hmm. like, I really want to come. When is a good time? And 
I think we tried, it was like third time's a charm. We, we went and we stood in a little line at some point, even when it was like really cold outside, people were standing in line. And I know there was a heater outside at one point and we skeeter it was skeeter the yes <laughs> rest in, rest in peace yeah we we lucked out there was one night we went and the weather was really nice and we were having some doubts of okay you know this is our third time we might not get in and there was no line and I probably like beelined and was like go park oh my gosh I have to go get in line and we had such a great night we came back and sat sat by the bar and just to watch the art and the craft of you and your team. And that's something that Dan and I as foodies and people who, mm-hmm. though we do not work in, in the food and beverage industry, I think we have so much appreciation for like the hard work and craftsmanship that goes into it. And so to be able to not only sip and enjoy on the drinks, but watch the drinks we made gave us such an extra level of appreciation. And we still, we really do still talk about drastic menches and just just the whole operation that the bar is not large it doesn't fit a hundred people it's a small no, it's 45 quaint bar that it's such a great environment and to yeah, enjoy wanted, these craft cocktails it was it was such a great experience I and i know we feel like your friend's house it should feel like your friend's house yeah. like you're in your friend's basement and they found something on pinterest and they want to share it with you and they want to make you that cocktail like that vibe like i used to work at a bar downtown that was very much like the whole point of it was to make you feel like you weren't cool enough to be there. Uh, and it was a little intimidating to get in. It was like a secret entrance. It was real dark, but the show was about the bar staff. And I was like, this is cool. I like being the center of attention, but I was like, all of our guests are in the dark. All of our, we're making like, we're making them feel like they're not cool enough to be here when honestly, like all of us are playing Pokemon. So like, it's not true. But at Drastic, we wanted to do away with a little bit of that. Like, obviously, I think the best seats in the house are always at the bar because you get your drink faster, you get your order faster, you can tab out faster, and you can talk to the bartender and you get to see it and you get to be a part of it. You can be a part of it if you want, or you could just like just have your own moment and do your own uh, conversation with whoever you're there with and you can be in your own little world and we'll leave you alone. We'll like, we'll read that either way. But I just like, being up there because I like to see it I like to I have questions I want to ask and I, I I'm interested in people and those are always my favorite seats um so we love it when people are up there some people hate it because like it's also a lot of cleaning you know like it, assembling drinks is cool but some guy left us a bad review and was like I got put at the fucking bar and I had to watch them do dishes I'm like well yeah there's only two of us someone's got to do the dishes like it's part of the job one thing I also want to highlight that after the Hanukkah bar that you were very vocal on Instagram, giving your staff a two week break. You closed drastic measures for two weeks, allowing your staff to take a full break, recharge, reset after having such a busy season with, with the Hanukkah bar. And you yourself have also been very vocal on your own Instagram page about mental health, depression, anxiety. Why is it important to you to share your journey with depression, anxiety on social media? Well, that's really the only you know platform that I have to talk about. And um, I like to preach work-life balance and, and mental health. And then I realized that I wasn't practicing work-life balance and I wasn't mentally healthy. So who the fuck am I to tell people that? Like, so in, 
in order to be transparent about it, like I'm happy we gave everybody a break. It was as much for the owners as it was for the staff. And since we profit share, they get like a, they get like a big check at the end of every six months. So like it's enough money that like, like we'll still pay you, but like you can go take a vacation or you can just sit at home and do whatever you want to do. But we needed to recharge our batteries too. And it's really hard to be hospitable to other people if you don't feel good for, about yourself. It's just, you know, a lot of people pretend a lot in this industry. Like you told to like, wear your smile in the front of house, you know, and it's not, it's not real and it's not authentic and people can pick up on it. And I just realized that there's people that like, especially after the James Beard nomination, that there's people that look at us and I'm very active on our social media. I include the staff in a lot. I, you know, I, I talk to our stories a lot and it's very much an extension of my voice and I can't be authentic if I'm not honest about what I'm also going through, because if there's some other person that's like using uh, me as a goal in their life, like I want to, I want to be where Jay is, or I want to surpass, hope everybody doesn't use me as a benchmark, but if anyone that does, it'd be pretty shitty if I just pretended it was easy all the time and that I was fine all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, like, I knew what was going on is because like I got everything I ever wanted in my whole life. Like I've never, I've never not achieved anything that I've wanted. I've worked very hard at it, but I was like, if I do this one thing, then I'll be happy. And then we got like the James Beard nomination and our bar is profitable and we're opening another one. And people are always telling us like how cool it is and how much they love us. And then I was just, I'd wake up every day, like feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I don't like living. Like, I don't like, like what's going on. So I was finally at a point that I was like, I got to go see somebody about this. This is obviously something, you know, something going on in my brain. It's not external factors. Like what's up. And I was honest about it because I was afraid that maybe someone on our staff might be going through something similar. And if they're afraid to say it, like if I can say it to 12,000 strangers that I need help and that I'm seeking help, then maybe one of those people could see it and, and ask for help and do that. And I just didn't want any of this, you know, suffer silently. And, you know, cause you know, social media is very pretend. It's very like, you just post your highlights. I try, I try, you know, obviously I like doing that too. If I have a shitty day, I'm not going to post about it, but the way I'm looking at it is um, like very much for my mental health and the mental health of my staff, and your professional art. Uh, like I'm trying to practice true work-life balance. And, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's kind of hard. Uh, like if you own two businesses, obviously you got to leave, you know, 51%. It's never going to be a 50-50 anything, but it's about how you balance that. But like being, achieving your, your career goals, I think should align with achieving your mental health and well-being goals. But the reason we gave our staff a break, and we also cap everybody at three nights a week. We don't let anyone work more than that because they're hard shifts. They're long. We They come in at three. They don't leave till two often. They're on their feet the whole time. And it's go time as soon as they go because there's only two of us during the week. On the weekends, there's we added in a third person, but we should probably be running with four. And drastic measures is the is is my dream. And I should be the one that works harder than everybody else there because it's what I've always wanted. And a lot of people that work with us, they want to go do their own thing. And their their dream someday is not to own drastic measures. And I'm very aware of that. I'm very open about uh, my mental health struggle. I'm very open about the business. I let everybody on our team know like what's in the bank account. 
Like how much money is coming out? How much does payroll cost? Why we can't do that drink or that drink at that price so we can afford to do this. And we gave away this amount of money and this is how the taxes work and this and that. And I like to be open about as much as I can. So there's no preconceived notions about like if it's easy or if it's hard, like they just know the facts and it's easier for some people and it's harder for some people. I'm, I'm not a good business business savvy person. You know, I look at a bank account and I'm like, Ooh, I can spend a bunch of money. And then I got my partners and bookkeepers are like, Hey, uh, you have a obligation to return a profit to us. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll stop donating so much. But like, yeah, it's that I want everybody. I don't want like it. I worked at a place for nine years and I didn't know how much rent was there. And I didn't know how much a busy Friday would cost. I didn't know what payroll taxes were. I didn't know this and that. And like, I would, I, I wonder if I would have been further along in my arc in my career, if somebody would have shared that information with me, or if the owner of the business that is always a super nice guy would have been like, Hey, I'm also dealing with depression, even though I'm like, you know, I walk through a room and people fucking clap for me. Like not me, that guy, that would help me a lot. So yeah, I'm very, I like to be as open about anything as I can. I like to keep my, you know, a lot of my personal life, my relationship stuff separate from the bar. But uh, in terms of you know, mental health, I'm, yeah, I'm all on board for that. Like mental health and numbers, oftentimes they sadly go hand in hand in a capitalistic society. I want my career to be able to go open their own bar someday and be successful at it. Or go like, I, don't, I ask our crew to never make a lateral move. Like if they want to leave, like we've only turned over staff. We've only ever lost three people. Two of them went to uh, go run their own programs or, or, or climb the ladder somewhere else. And one of them left just because it wasn't their vibe. So we gave them a severance and, you know, sent them, sent them on their way. But I don't want them to, I don't want anybody to fail. I don't want anybody to, to walk away like knowing less or just knowing the same amount that they came in at. And um, you should be absolutely using using our bar as a stepping stone in your own life especially if you're only 25 and you're working for me 25 still a baby i shouldn't be able to get the driver's license in. transparency now more than ever i think is so important especially with mental health and after the pandemic and unfortunately there's still so much taboo and talking about mental health when we just came Isn't off the crazy pandemic yeah. like well there's the taboo amount- talking about money and mental health Right. Like all the all the people in the industry that was like, don't ever ask what the person next to you is making in every in every sector of every industry. Like I'm just like, why the fuck not? You guys like, I can't pay my bills on good vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but we're a family here. No, we're not. We're a fucking business, um, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like, and if you own a business, if you're doing things the right way and you're not making two hundred times what your staff makes, then like my crew knows what I make. I work for free most of the year. I get paid 90% of what I make for a year every six months when we do a profit disbursement. So if I'm working with my staff, I let them keep all the tips. If it's during a week, I'll let them keep all the tips on the weekends. If we're doing like 5,000, I'm like really in there. Like you bet your ass I'm taking my half of that. But if I'm just floating around being the vibes guy and we do 2,000 in sales and they make 500 in tips, I'm just letting them keep it. My Everybody knows what everybody made on which night because you can see it all in our book. And so you can move your schedule to work which night. And oftentimes everybody makes just about the same amount. Yeah. Transparency with mental health and money. Isn't that funny? And the things that people think is inappropriate, like sex, mental health, and money. Just Everybody's got mental health. If it's good or bad, everybody's got it. Uh, in, this, in this country, everybody has to have money to participate. And also everybody 
uh, has either had sex or been sexual or came, obviously everyone came from sex. So like, why the fuck is it so weird to talk about all these things? It's, it's kind of baffling to me. It feels like, it feels like a very divisive way of getting, uh, of standing in the way of progress is if everyone starts talking about things that are very obvious and in front of us. I understand that we're privileged at drastic measures. We have almost no rent. It's very low because our business partners own it. We don't have any debt because we built it ourselves. Uh, and so we can run a little more lean and we can do some things that other people can't. Uh, but there's other people that still aren't paying livable wages to their staff or like counting on uh, tips to subsidize income or, you know, your stuff like that. And I just feel bad that like, I want to hire everybody. Like I want everybody to make like, start, like my staff, like one of our uh, people worked, they averaged two and a half shifts. So some, some weeks they did two shifts and some they did three and they made $55,000 last year. And they still have four other days that they can, you know, do whatever they want to do and work for their future. This individual was going to college, uh, still going to college. I don't know how they do it. They're like busting their butt every day. Like I dropped out of college. I don't know how you're doing, doing my, like this, this job and also doing that. But, you know, we're, we're privileged to do that. And a lot of places, you know, can't do that or won't do that because they fear the backlash because they need those 4% margins to stay at four percent or grow to maybe four and a half and they they're like well we can't go offending people or we can't can't give people a raise i'm like if your people are happy they're gonna they're gonna give people better service they're gonna come up with better drinks it's only gonna make you more money and by the end of this year all of our staff will be making 15 dollars an hour so if you stay with me a year like you start at 12 if you stay with me a year i'll move you to 15 um, and that's before tips. Like we still do, we still do tips. There's, we try to crunch the math. I'm going to a tipless model, but it's just not possible, uh, without us having to raise drinks to, you know, 15 or $16 a piece. And I don't see the value in that just cause maybe I don't you know, think about what we do as being that important, but yeah, surely there are businesses out there that do it. I don't want to say shady, but they, you know, they have to play the game that has been set for them. You're in the middle of opening a second bar. We're, yeah, we're working on Wild Child, uh, which is a wine bar with uh, a low and no alcohol cocktail program. It's a lot. Like, there's a lot of thought going into it. Uh, a lot more thought is going into this space and these systems than went into Drastic Measures because Drastic Measures is a glorified lemonade stand. Uh, if, if anyone watched our story today of me putting a cocktail together, like, you know, it, you know it's, it's literally a lemonade stand that you, people are paying $13 for drinks. Um, that's why that's successful. But like wild child is we're doing so much more with wine and food and making our own non-alcoholic spirits. And we're doing it in a space that's actually smaller than drastic measures, which we, you know, like when of course, when you're walking through a big empty space, you're like, oh, I think of all the possibilities. And then we slowly started putting walls up we're like, oh, this, oh, this is going to be harder than I thought. But yeah, we're, we're full steam, like construct. My business partners, thankfully, are our contractors and we are our own construction crew. And we're in there. You know, I say we very liberally, like they let me like hold the flashlight for them while they're doing important things. Uh, but yeah, like so we're all in on it and it's right next to drastic and like this sounds a little arrogant to say but because it's so hard to get into drastic measures now 
is why we wanted to open another business next door because people were just leaving instead of waiting. And I want to give them uh, another place that they can, they can come and get a good experience um, out in their, in the suburbs and in their neighborhood. And it just, the space next to us just happened to be available. It was a beautiful corner space with like natural light and lots and lots of windows. I'm working on it now. Like we're there every day. By the time this comes out, hopefully the staff should be in there training and getting ready. Right. But, but that's the first week of June. We're taking the whole staff from drastic measures to Chicago for the James Beard ceremony. Cause I want them all. I want to see them all in tuxes. But yeah, Wildfire will be out, and it's been a it's a total departure from Drastic Measures. Uh, it's going to be a good compliment. They share a door, like we're going to share prep space. Our staffs are going to know each other. Like I like to, you know, even though Justin is now the full time operator of Drastic Measures, I still like to keep it still my baby. Like I still like to go over there, um, even if I'm not technically an employee of it. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully, yeah, it's called Wildfire. Come and check it out. We're doing a lot of cool stuff with non-alcoholic cocktails, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there's this, you know, sober, it's called sober curious, which I kind of hate because I know that there's people that uh, aren't curious about being sober. They have to be sober. And it feels like, like, and that's an achievement. That's a really hard thing to do for people to make that, you know, make that decision and stick with it. It's, and so when people are sober curious, I'm like, okay, that's just say that just say that you're not drinking right now. Like you're not really sober curious. You just don't want to be hung over one of the nights that you go out. So we're going to, we're going to lean into that. I don't know. So wild child is that I want, I want my, I want sober people to not feel like they have to hide and that they can go out and be social and be in, be in cool spaces with, you know, good vibes and not, not, not feel any shame and not drinking. We want to build an inclusive space for everybody. Just, you know, even if they don't drink. There's just not enough spaces like that. I think there's going to be more and more soon. I hope that we can set a good standard for that because uh, I've been to some NA bars and it was just, they were just soda, so- soda shops basically. And I was like, okay, we can be a little more familiar in the bar world than, than that. Even just hearing you talk about it now and how it's going to be different. I'm like making mental note of just like, oh my gosh, this sounds so amazing. And obviously as someone who loves exploring Kansas City and seeing new places and seeing everything that Drastic Measures has accomplished in such a short time and to see the opening of Wild Child, there's so many exciting things. And I just congratulate you. and praise everyone who is involved in these projects because well, it's a we lot, built it, it's a we lot built it going for people on. like you to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole point um, is to have, you know, like-minded people that was, you know, friends we don't that we don't know yet come into our come to our space and, and and hang with us i just hope that wild child is another cool space for people to hang out i put a lot of thought into it and my partners were kind of like drastic is like it was kind of a finished space all we had to do was build a prep room two bathrooms in the bar and then the the natural stone took care of most of it for us and uh we had one of my friends is a really good metal sculptor he did our lights but at like wild child there's like here's a shoebox literally because it was a shoe repair shop before it's a rectangle and they're like all right draw it up however you want it and i'm like i have no business telling an engineer or an architect where i want the bathrooms or what kind of doors i want and they're like so like i just finished picking out tile and flooring and the upholstery and the chairs and this and my partners are putting a lot of faith in me 
to return, you know, because I didn't invest any money into this. I didn't invest a single dollar into drastic measures either. Like our business partners believed in us and they fronted us and we, we, we are able to pay them back at a fairly fast rate. But, you know, but they put a lot on my plate because they trust me. So I owe it to them and I owe it to all the people that follow us in drastic that will support us to deliver something different, but cool, something forward thinking and something that like, hopefully has a lot of lasting power. I say it a lot that if it was easy, everybody would do it. And that applies to literally every single job. Like, cause there's no, I don't think there's an easy job out there, especially if there's no easy manual labor job. There's no, like, like any job can be super challenging and anybody, if anybody could do it, then they would, but it's not like, it's hard. Like I tell my industry friends that like when they finish a real hard shift, I'm like, yeah, but look what you just did. Like how many people can actually do that? But that goes for like, I delivered packages like for, during the shutdown before the bar opened, I was working for FedEx delivering packages because I needed income when the whole world was shut down. And it wasn't a deep It was the hardest fucking job I've ever done in my life. And I was like, how pampered am I that I get to, you know, think about what's going in as martini riff that we're doing instead of like waking up at three 30 to, you know, drive to the Ozarks to deliver packages to Amish country for 10 hours and then drive home. I'm very happy to know a lot of people that own their own businesses and are, are turning their passions into their careers because those people inspire the shit out of me and they motivate me to continue doing it. I didn't need a lot of uh, like a lot of motivation to start, but I find most I need motivation to keep going a lot. Cause especially when you're, if you get super busy, you're like, Oh, why am I doing this? You got to remind yourself, you got to look around and like, look at all these people enjoying your space and having fun. Like they, they're here because you, you built something for them to enjoy. So just like your listeners, like they're there because you built it into something. Like that's, that's gratifying as shit. To see your hard work pay off. And it takes a lot of mental work to look at the silver lining of situations. When you are building a business and a brand, for instance, wild child for you, like that it's a great concept that people are going to love and that the Instagram you haven't even opened yet. And the wild child Instagram already has a great following that people love drastic measures so much that they see this new concept opening up and are already setting themselves up for excitement for Mm -hmm. this next venture. The way what I'm feeling the most isn't like a weight of all that I have to do for the new bar. Of course there is that. And I'm a very disorganized person. So I'm like, Oh, I haven't shopped around for insurance packages yet. We're opening in eight weeks and I should do that. And I don't know who's going to do our payroll, but Ooh, I picked out the best wallpaper. But my, uh, where I am like with all that is I am terrified of it not being, you know, cool of it not being, you know, what people want or what I expect. And I was fortunate with drastic that nobody had any expectations out of drastic measures. It wasn't supposed to, we didn't even have that high expectations of drastic measures. We, so that gave us the freedom just to do whatever we wanted to do. But for wild child, I haven't even really posted much and we have 3,500 followers and I'm like, oh my gosh, it took us a year to get that for drastic of me posting twice a week or, or, you know, three times a week. And now there's this expectation and someone like, there's an article that came out that was like, this is the most anticipated opening of 20, one of the most anticipated openings. There were several, several others mentioned, but I was like, what a fucking kiss of death that was like, now we really got to deliver. And 
don't know. It's, we're kind of going through that with Jurassic too, because now like everybody heard about us because we got nominated to be as the best of something. So now everybody that hasn't been there that has heard about us through that avenue comes in to look for a reason why you're not the best. Like if they think you're the best, they're going to come and they're going to be looking for a reason why you're not. And it's just totally, I don't know. It feels like we have to reteach everybody that we're just at a super casual bar. And then I'm just terrified of showing everybody what the interior of wild child is going to look like. So everybody's like, Oh my God, what's it going to be like? And I'm like, dudes, when I figure it out, you will, you will know. Like I have an idea for it. I don't know if it's gonna, I'm not an interior designer, but I know the kind of space that I want. Like I, I know a vibe and I have an energy in mind that I want. I want to deliver that. Your nomination is very well deserved. And I hope that people who originally were supporting you in the very beginning continue to support you. I hope that even with long lines, I hope that new customers continue to flock oh, yeah. to to both locations and just to experience the the cocktails. Thank you. You can find Jay's social media in the show notes as well as both cocktail bars. Kansas City Confidential is nominated for Best Local Podcast through Kansas City Magazine's Best of 2023. If you could please take a moment and vote for the podcast, that would be amazing. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at KCBiceri. See you next week. Casey Confidential. Casey's Confidential. Hey. Kansas City's best. Casey Confidential. Confidential.